Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Spartans. It is Friday, July 19th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Uh, on today's show, we're talking about retirement. Not for me, uh, unfortunately. Uh, we're talking about the retirements, the potential retirements of both Mark D'Antonio and Tom Izzo. Um, it's kind of funny that both of them sort of made some headlines uh, in that regard today or yesterday, actually, at, at Big Ten Media Day for uh, D'Antonio there. And then a uh, whatever you want to call it, a report about something said on a podcast about Izzo's uh, future retirement plans. And we'll talk about the specifics of it when we actually do that. But I just thought it kind of uh, they, they meshed well together talking about those situations, uh, what the timelines might be like, what uh, you know, a search might look like, when, uh, how things like on the field might impact it, and just you know the things that are sort of tangential to the end of the tenures for D'Antonio and Izzo because I think it's kind of you know maybe snuck up on us in a little a little bit, but you know D'Antonio's been at Michigan State for 13 years. He's uh, approaching his mid 60s. Tom Izzo is in his mid 60s. Has been coaching for. Uh, 173 years, I think he's been the head coach at Michigan State. Uh, so it's it's really, you know, time's undefeated, it's inevitable. So I think it's something interesting that we can talk about today. So we'll do that on today's show. Reminder, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get these episodes on your phone every single day. And if you would be so kind, just head on over to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a review, say something funny, have a suggestion. I don't really care. Just leave a five-star rating and, and leave a review. I, I go through those every couple of weeks and read back on some of them uh, and do genuinely appreciate the people who take time to do that. Another reminder over at Spartans Wire, spartanswire.usatoday.com, uh, where I write, we are doing an MSU gift tournament starting next week. Uh, it's going to be something that kind of takes up the whole week. Uh, maybe into the next week, uh, we'll bleed some of the summer drive for us, some of the doldrums, the last few kind of boring weeks here before, you know, MSU's camp gets going at the end of the month for football. So uh, yeah, kind of push towards the finish line with that gift tournament. So be on the lookout for that if that's something you might be interested in. Uh, today's episode is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. All right, let's uh, talk about some retirement plans. Okay, so I want to start with Mark D'Antonio. Uh, Big Ten Media Days kicked off yesterday. We'll be going uh, through today as well. I think yesterday was all the Big Ten East teams, and today is the Big Ten West teams. I don't see how it shook out, although I don't know if Harbaugh spoke. So I, I you know what? I don't know. I know you know what I saw PJ Fleck there doing stuff as well. So I'm gonna immediately retract what I just said. I'm incredibly informed and an expert on all things Michigan State and Big Ten Media Days. Uh, either way, Mark Antonio spoke at uh, Media Days, talked about a few different things. Uh, we're done with heave. the The mantra heave is through, and was it chase the moment is the new one, which is completely expected. I don't know. Like chase the moment. That sounds like it's a cliched little mantra heave. Uh, chase it was one previously, which is really close to chase the moment. Um, climb or something. I don't remember any of these. They don't really matter that much to me, but chase the moment's better than heave. Uh, last year, 
was indeed uh, the the season of heave in more ways than one, with Michigan State spending a lot of time throwing up on their shoes. So we've moved on to chase the moment. Uh, But D'Antonio, I think much more interesting uh, than a mantra, was asked about uh, plans for retirement. Is he considering retirement? Has he thought about it? Does he have any sort of timeline? Uh, And he said, uh, or what he said, which I think is interesting and revealing and not at all surprising, because again, he has been at Michigan State for 13 years. He's been a head coach for, I think, 17 years, the last 17 years at the D1 level. Uh, it's, that's a long time. It's a stressful job. He had that heart, uh, issue in 2010, right? And that, like, that stuff, that's something that can completely derail a career and end a career health complications. And he seems to still be in good health, good standing, and you don't want to push that stuff too far, uh, with just the crazy demands of the job. That's 365 days a year recruiting, coaching. It's stressful, huge pressure, a lot of money at stake. Uh, and it's just a job where you don't see a lot of people really push into uh, their 70s unless it's friggin' by Bill Snyder, who's the total outlier. And honestly, just like here, real quick, uh, Mac Brown, although he's back, uh, Mac Brown, Bobby Bowden, uh, Lloyd Carr, uh, Bob Stoops is another one. These are all, you know, some of the most historic, successful coaches at the biggest programs in the country. And All of them, and you can add Joe Paterno to the list too, all of them overstayed their welcome. Things really went south uh, on the football field for the most part. And, you know, Lloyd Carr was really pushed out. Uh, Mack Brown was certainly pushed out. Bowden had a not so, after just a dominant decade at Florida State, Bowden was pushed out and it just wasn't uh, the happy ending everyone uh, had probably imagined there. And so those situations... You know, I think coaches tend to try to avoid that. I wouldn't, if I was in that sort of situation, I would want to try to avoid that, not overstaying it, uh, not tarnishing the legacy where there's this footnote where it's like, yeah, but the last three years were really crap and everyone hated him and wanted him to go. Everyone was tired of it. Uh, and it will happen eventually, even with D'Antonio. Uh, I think even with Izzo, if the results kind of falter in the last, like if, if I don't see it happening with them just because I see them getting out before it would happen. But, you know, if either of these guys had three straight subpar years there, I mean, we've already heard calls, uh, very small, tiny calls after the three and nine season for, is it time for D'Antonio to go on? And then following it up with a nice season, quiet set. And then a season after that, uh, there's a little bit, you know, is it past D'Antonio's time? Is he going to be able to modernize the offense, catch back up? Uh, And, you know, that chatter has been to a minimum, certainly, but if you start stacking bad season on bad season, uh, that stuff, those quiet chatters are going to become louder and louder and louder. And, you know, you don't, if I'm D'Antonio, I don't want a few bad years at the end to spoil what has been one of the most successful runs of football uh, at Michigan State. Certainly the most successful run of football at Michigan State in the modern era. And, you know, so it's not surprising to hear him say that, you know, when he's asked about retirement, uh, that he you know, doesn't have a timeline, but it's something he's been considering. He said he talks to his players all the time about finding a passion outside of football. You got to, you know, football's very important. Uh, school's important, but you got to find something that you're passionate about outside of that, something that drives you, something that can carry you through the rest of your life because football, uh, playing football, at least is going to go away eventually. And so it's something he talks about a lot. And he said he's been sort of having those conversations with himself. He's been thinking about 
that kind of idea a lot. What am I going to do once I'm done coaching football? And that's not something that, you know, a hungry 42 year old coach who's a couple years into his first big time job is thinking. They're just thinking, how do I win? How do I win? How do I get better? How do I get better? And with time, with age, with perspective, D'Antonio's kids are getting older. Uh, they're going to, I don't know, you know, if, if any of them are married or anything like that, but, you know, things like that start happening. Uh, your kids get married. A few years later, you become a grandparent. You've got grandkids you want to spend time with. You want to make sure because coaching, the demands of coaching, you're uh, away at times. You're out recruiting. There's a lot of time spent on the road, and you sort of want to have that good end of life uh, last 30, 40 years of retirement where you can spend time with the family and do all those things that you know we want to do that we all would visualize for ourselves in a happy retirement. And so he's starting to, to think like that, and that's totally understandable for me. Uh, but it sort of begs the question, which we'll get into here in a little bit, is what does Michigan State look like after Mark D'Antonio? Uh, I think for a while that it was, uh, I don't know, like almost a given, implied, very strongly uh, wanted that Pat Narduzzi would be the ultimate successor for D'Antonio uh, with how he stuck around, stuck around, and then took a job at Pitt that was kind of, you know, mid to lower level power five job, ACC, but still a, a team that's going to be 500 or, or so year in and year out in the ACC and is kind of a stepping stone to the program that Michigan State has become because when D'Antonio took over, he was coming here from Cincinnati. And that was an appropriate step up uh, during his early time. The people were, uh, I don't know if they did leave or, or consider, maybe Narduzzi was considering, but like uh, Texas A&M tried to steal a coordinator or stole a coordinator. And that's considered, you know, not a lateral move because they can make more money in the Big 12 or in the SEC. Uh, and even with uh, Harlan Barnett going to Florida State in a, you know, vertical or vertical horizontal move in terms of coordinator going from one coordinator job to another, but it's Florida state, uh, which is a little bit different type of football school than Michigan state. Uh, but anyway, Michigan state is at a different level than when D'Antonio took over. Uh, and so I think it's a really interesting thought, uh, a really interesting thing to think about is what does a, a coaching search look like with uh, the, the Mark D'Antonio era in the rear view. Uh, I'll talk about that more after this commercial break. You can get Locked On Spartans on the brand new podcasting app Himalaya, as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment two of today's Locked On Spartans. So just continuing with that D'Antonio retirement discussion, what does a, a coaching search look like? You know, I don't think it's such a foregone conclusion that Michigan State would stay sort of within the family. And uh, I think that there would be a lot of comfort in that. I think it would be something that fans would rally around to some extent. We'll see what the next few years like look like. Say Michigan State has a couple uh, really good seasons here, uh, wins a Big Ten has good in the two other seasons, makes the college football playoff, like a, a similar run to 2013-2015. If D'Antonio strings together something like that and MSU strings together something like that, you know, I, would th I, I wouldn't I would be surprised if at the end of that, he calls it a career, kind of 
going out on a good moment on top. The program's in a really good place. You kind of feel like I left things better than when I found them. The The culture is set. The culture has been set. The standard is set. The, the program is in a really healthy place where it's a top 15 program, top 20 program in the entire country, which is, I don't know, miles ahead of where it was when D'Antonio took over. And gosh, if he's leaving and Michigan State, you know, it depends. You know, Ohio State is a good example, and Oklahoma is, is as well. They both had young up-and-coming coordinators who clearly uh, had produced at a really high level, had done a really great job, were ace recruiters, and were super impactful, and were worthy candidates, worthy successors to Bob Stoops, worthy successor to Urban Meyer. And, you know, it, it seemed to really have worked out so far in Oklahoma. It's just been a couple of years for Lincoln Riley. And I would think I would I would wager that Ryan Day is going to do a really good job at Ohio State. You don't get the Ohio State job if you're you're not going to be a good coach. Um, and so I, I think you know we'll see what happens with Brad Salem if Brad Salem ends up being just uh, a really smart, capable coordinator who does a great job and the program is just a uh, top consistent offense year in and year out under him. Maybe there's some consideration to that. Maybe there's some consideration. Uh, to the other side of the ball, the coordinators, maybe Trestle gets a look, maybe, you know, Harlan Barnett could consider coming back. Uh, and then there's Pat Narduzzi, of course, kind of keeping it within the family. And so I think there's going to be some interesting candidates that would be sort of worthy ish, but you know, when a team like, uh, and, and I know Florida's one of the great jobs because of the recruiting hotbed, same as Miami, you know, Texas opens up and Michigan state's not at those levels. Um, but when a job like Oregon opens up, uh, there's a pretty far and wide coaching search that runs through a lot of really well thought of candidates. And even, you know, yes, I know Florida's like the job of job where you could steal a head coach from the SEC. I don't think Michigan State can necessarily steal a head coach from the SEC unless it's someone with some ties to Michigan State. Uh, but they certainly can make a run at Coaches of the level of Pat Narduzzi in terms of, you know, like Dino Babers uh, is a good example. The head coach at Syracuse or a Bronco Mendenhall type person. Or maybe there's um, uh, kind of like a Scott Frost situation where there's a head coach at a G5 school who's been doing really well and, and makes sense for Nebraska to hire them. I think that's the the type of hire that MSU could be looking to make. And, you know, just with the culture and the way that this program is really about continuity and unity, uh, I, I think the the lean would immediately be to sort of keep it in-house, who's the best candidate with ties to the program, but I hope it's not limited to that. I hope the scope is expanded beyond that because Michigan State uh, and, and the heights that it's gotten to and really what I think, I think they're going to have a really good season this year and then we'll sort of see where things go from there. Uh, I think Michigan State's still going to be in a really good place when D'Antonio decides to call it quits. I think it'll be a top 20 program in the country. And I think their expectations can be set a little bit higher than having to have someone who is within the program. I mean, how many times have we ripped on Michigan for their coaching searches, having to have a Michigan man? They hired Rich Rod, the hottest or hottest coach in the country. Alabama wanted him. Michigan got him. And that flamed out there because he wasn't a Michigan man. And I don't think Michigan State sort of has that uppity feeling towards people who are outsiders. Uh, Mark D'Antonio is mostly, was mostly 
uh, an outsider to the program, loose connection through different coaches, a Midwest guy, an Ohio guy. So there's that. Uh, but I, I would hope and I would think because the the sort of uh, not elitism, but oh, sort of elitism, the the elitist, arrogant attitude of Michigan football uh, and it having to have someone with Michigan ties, have a Michigan man has really plagued them until the perfect candidate, the single perfect candidate came open for them. And I just hope that Michigan State doesn't really fall down that trap. I hope they're willing to expand the scope more because the program is going to be in a better spot than that. The program is going to be in a spot that is good enough to attract a ton of really good candidates. There are going to be 10, 15, 20, 25 head coaches in the country who wouldn't leave their current jobs to take the Michigan State job. It's not the, and maybe even more because it's not the easiest job in the world. The recruiting in the Midwest, you're fourth, fifth, you're probably fifth easy in the Midwest behind Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Notre Dame in terms of recruits. The Midwest has some good recruiting areas, but it's not a great recruiting area like the South, and you play in a tough division. And, and until recently, there wasn't this great standard. Uh, of excellence at the program, but it's still a really good job. It's still a job where you can win at almost the highest level. We've gotten to the college football playoff, won a Rose Bowl, won the conference title multiple times in the last handful of years. So I, I just hope that type of search would expand beyond someone with Michigan State ties. We don't need a Spartan man to take over after Mark D'Antonio. We just need somebody who is a good coach, good recruiter, and can continue uh, and has sort of the the same beliefs of what it takes to build a good football program and sort of continue the the f- build on the foundation that D'Antonio laid. And I think with basketball, and maybe I'll address this more. It'll actually no no we're good we got enough time. Uh, and I think switching gears to basketball, I think the same can be said for Michigan State basketball, although the ceiling is just much higher. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is. Uh, Let's see here uh, as I pull it up. <laughs> Doing a great job. I've got it up here, but I just, I'm not in the right spot. Paul Davis, that's who it was. I forgot who it was. Paul Davis, former Michigan State player from 2002 to 2006, was on uh, with 97 won the ticket on a podcast called The Time That, which is just the worst podcast name I've ever heard, uh, but was talking about uh, Izzo nearing the end of his career. Uh, we all know he's still chasing that second national title. Uh, Davis said on the show, you know, he won't, he said, this is a direct quote, he won't be coaching by 2025. So I'd say three years, give or take. Uh, So 2025 is not three years. It's six years, five full seasons from now. We'll see kind of how that shakes out. But I I think he's probably mostly correct. He said, uh, Izzo was talking about it when uh, Davis was last in East Lansing and talking with coach Izzo. Um, so, and again, same with Antonio Izzo's, uh, going to, this is going to be his 25th season with Michigan state. Uh, he's 64 right now. You know, if he's going to go past 70, I would be surprised 30 years at the same school is absolutely incredible. And so it's, it, God, it feels like it's just so weird thinking about Michigan state basketball beyond time Izzo, but I think it's something that's going to happen in the, in the near future. And that is going to be. As interesting as I think uh, the Michigan State football coaching search after Mark D'Antonio will be, and I'm not excited for it. I'm not excited for the D'Antonio era to end because it's been so great. But 
it's sort of a silver lining to that. Like, oh, okay, it sucks. The D'Antonio era is over. It was really great. It was really fun. But then there's sort of that silver line of excitement of like, we're in a really cool spot. Like, what's going to happen next? Like, what is the, it's, you know, spotlights on Michigan State for their coaching search? Who are we going to be able to get? What is that going to do? What is the program going to look like? And with Michigan State basketball, it's just that times 100. And it's going to be one of, it's going to be like when Kentucky, uh, has to replace Calipari. It's going to be like when Duke has to replace, uh, coach K Krzyzewski. Uh, it's going to be like when UNC has to replace Roy Williams. Uh, Izzo is absolutely up there and Michigan state is absolutely at that level in terms of basketball program prestige. Uh, and so I want to talk about kind of how that might look here and the factors that might lead into the timeline after this quick break. Remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked on Spartans in the new Himalaya podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, Stitcher as well. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find Locked on Spartans. All right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. So I think the Izzo timeline here depends... Really, I think more so than D'Antonio. I know D'Antonio is obviously chasing a national title, chasing another college football playoff appearance, uh, chasing more uh, Big Ten championships. But that second national title is something that Izzo has really sort of, I don't know if obsessed is the right word, but has been after for a long time, since 2000, for the last 20 years, trying to add that second one has made national championship games, has made a boatload of Final Fours, has had teams that were one of the top two, three, four teams in the entire country and just hasn't been able to win it all since 2000. And that is something that is going to play a huge factor in what the end of his tenure looks like and how many years he has left. If Michigan State wins a national title this upcoming season, I could see Izzo retiring in a couple of years once the freshmen that are in right now uh, cycle through. I could see that as a three or four year timeline for sure if he wins the national championship and it might even be less. It might be two years. It might be three years if he gets that second national championship. If he doesn't and wants to continue pushing it, uh, it there's a really interesting scenario going on with the one and done rule in the NBA uh, and that plays into Imani Bates who is one of the who is the top high school player, top high school prospect in the entire country is from Ypsilanti will probably end up at Michigan State if he ends up playing college basketball. His recruitment's going to be something for sure. But Michigan State certainly has the inside track uh, and will have a is better shot, as good a shot as anybody to land him. Uh, and if Izzo is still chasing that second championship and has a chance to coach Imani Bates for one season for his freshman year before he's the number one overall pick in the NBA, I see that as a really difficult situation for Izzo to pass up. And so Imani Bates is a 2022 uh, classic kid. He just finished his freshman season. I don't know if he's going to reclassify. The prep school stuff is different. And that world of college basketball or prepping for college basketball, prep schools, AAU circuits, kids transferring from their high schools to these basketball factories to finish out their high school careers. They can uh, end up being able to reclassify. I don't know if Imani Bates could end up reclassifying to a class of 2021 prospect where he would be there in three years, but uh, he's got three more years of high school and then he would end up at Michigan State. So that's four seasons down the road. Uh, And I would really think that if Izzo doesn't get a national championship this season, 
uh, you know, the group coming back, depending on if Xavier Tillman goes to the NBA, if Aaron Henry ends up going to the NBA, who stays, who goes, what the group looks like. It's still going to be a really good team going into next season, but I could see him kind of honing in and saying, all right, I'm going to get Imani Bates. That's going to be the last run. And we're going to give this thing one final go here for the 2022 season. So, uh, Either way you shake it, it's tough to see him going farther. Just like Paul Davis said, like 2025, six years from now, I would be, I would be genuinely surprised if Tom Izzo is coaching Michigan State at 70 years old, still doing it. Uh, he's getting to a point, just like D'Antonio, uh, kids are starting to become adults. Uh, that's going to come with it. All the stuff that, that comes with being an empty nester, uh, marriages, grandchildren, stuff like that. And so... He's not going to want to be 75, uh, still on the recruiting circuit, going at it his 35th year as a head coach at Michigan State. Like That is just a grueling grind of a job, and for so many reasons, uh, you can see him, and he's a guy who absolutely does things 100% of the way. Like He does not half-ass anything. Uh, I forget if I was talking about it on this show or somewhere else, but like Youpers don't half-ass things. Tom, yeah, I was talking with Stephen Brooks. Youpers don't half-ass things. He's gonna go 100% in the season. The, the the first moment he feels like you know I don't really want to do all the crap that I have to do. I'm not obsessing over this, uh, whether it comes from winning a second national championship or it just comes with more time and getting older and more you know tired and wanting to spend more time with the family. The, the moment Izzo has that I'm not 100% locked in moment, I think he will pull the plug and retire. I don't think he's just going to like lollygag through and like some people do in other jobs, just kind of coast, coast the last few years and just step away. Like he's either going 100% or he's not doing it. And so uh, I think it's really realistic that we're going to be seeing a Tom Izzo replacement coaching search here in the next five or six years. And that's going to be something that's really interesting. Um, you know, he's got a staff full of assistants who have been with him for a long time. Who knows if they start leaving for other jobs. We've had plenty of assistant coaches leave and go on to take nice jobs. You know, Tom Crean goes to Marquette and then gets Indiana, which is uh, a program on par with Michigan State in terms of legacy and just what it means to be the head coach at X University. And so I don't know if any of the assistants, the in-house guys, Dwayne Stevens, uh, Garland, Dane Fife, like, uh, I don't know if any of them would be considered if they're still around. They may uh, all be on to head coaching jobs at different levels by this time. And that might give us some indication of what's going to happen with Izzo. If the assistants start leaving and taking head coaching jobs, you know, it might be around the corner for Izzo to turn the page. But uh, a coaching search to replace Izzo is going to be something. Um, it, the head coaching job at Michigan State has not been in question for 25 years. There was a moment or two, you know, going going to a couple NITs off the start. Is this going to work? Is this it? And then it worked. Um, I don't really think in the mid years where there were a couple years between Final Fours, there was ever any real threat to his job. The hot seat was never really an, uh, approaching Michigan State. University. Uh, Tom Izzo's been the face of Michigan State University for 25 years. And that's something that's really, really difficult to replace. And that's, that it's the, the search is going to be something. And I think it's going to include the possibility of every single person coaching basketball, uh, maybe outside of the NBA, 
and outside of Coach K, Roy Williams, John Calipari, Bill Self. Like those are like th- those are the only people I'm willing to say if they're still at their current jobs plus the NBA people, that they won't be in contention. They won't be under consideration. They wouldn't jump at the opportunity to coach Michigan State. And that is like, that's crazy. That That is a insane coaching search. That is rumors flying everywhere. That's people tracking private jets. Uh, that goes beyond just we're gonna hire we're gonna interview the three assistants on the staff and we'll interview two mid-major coaches and then we'll pick one and no that's not what's happening when Tom Izzo leaves that is going to be a really interesting really fun really kind of stressful in some ways uh, coaching search because there is just you know the foundation like D'Antonio has built uh, Izzo's built 17 foundations and 17 huge mansions on top of each one of those foundations. Like this is a well-oiled machine. It is a finished product. Someone is going to come in here and have to take the keys to that. Probably the hardest shoes to fill in college basketball outside of coach K just because of how long he's been there. And we'll see how, th- you know, how long things last with Bill Self or Roy Williams, if they can establish a tenure going, approaching 30 years at their school's but like Izzo's probably got the second hardest shoes to fill in all of college uh, basketball. And that's, that's really crazy. That's really special. Uh, and that's something that we're going to have to grapple with here uh, in the next five, six, seven years, seven, if we're lucky, you know, it could be as soon as three or four. Um, and I think it's just not something we really consider often, but it's coming uh, quicker and quicker day by day. You know, it feels like it was just 2010 a few years ago. Michigan State football is really getting rolling. Izzo's in the middle of his his tenure, going to Final Fours, going to national championship games, and everything was hunky-dory. But now we're a decade later, and we're starting to approach the end of these guys' tenures. Uh, The most stable, consistent head coaching we've had in the two major sports at Michigan State uh, ever, or if not ever, in a long, long time, so... They're going to name buildings after these guys. It's going to be incredibly difficult to replace them. Uh, but it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out in the next you know, five, six, seven years. All right, that is going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening all week. Thanks for Hotels.com for sponsoring today's episode. We're going to be back next week. We're going to do some more football preview type stuff. I'm working with getting Colton Pouncey from The Athletic on. He did some... I mean, he's been doing a bunch of great work over the summer, but he recently had some uh, position group previews for the football team, and I'd like to get him on to talk about that. We're going to catch up with Stephen Brooks down the road as well here. Do some media day stuff as well early next week. If anything interesting happens, I've got to go through D'Antonio's stuff. Maybe I can mine some topics out of that as well. But yeah, definitely a a lot to talk about here in the next couple of weeks, and then camp starts, and I'm going to be over in East Lansing at practice, and uh, trying to get some sound there and we'll see what things look like. I'll try to break in to the uh, football center while they're running some offensive stuff that they're certainly going to block the media from seeing and try to get it. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to break a law to try to see what the offense is going to look like, but that would be pretty, uh, pretty epic journalism if I did that, but that's all coming up here and we're, you know, we're five weeks, I think now. Yeah. Like Florida and Miami kick off and like, five weeks in a day. It's like 36 days. Like we are getting really close guys. So looking forward to it. Uh, thanks so much for listening to shows. This will, this week we'll be back next week with more episodes of locked on Spartans until then go green.